Welcome. I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Romans. Today is episode 513. We're looking at Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Let's read our passage. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. This is Paul's letter to the Roman church. Paul is in Corinth on his third missionary journey. It's toward the end of the journey, and he will make his way back to Jerusalem, accompanying the collection for the poor people in Jerusalem. His intention then is to travel to Rome. And so he's sending this letter to set the stage for his travel to Rome. Now, in reality, Paul will be arrested in Jerusalem, then sent to Caesarea, spend two years in jail, awaiting trial there, then appeal and be transferred to Rome. So he will get to Rome, but not in the way he anticipates. Rome is the capital of the Roman Empire, the most important city in the world. And Paul sees the strategic value of having the gospel firmly entrenched in Rome. So we're in the introduction to the letter to the church at Rome, and this is the end of that introduction. To this point, Paul's been talking about his ministry, his focus on the gospel, and what he's been doing, and his desire to come to Rome and celebrating the faith of the people in Rome. Now he's wrapping up this introductory part where he starts actually talking about the gospel itself. And actually he'll continue to talk about the gospel until he gets to the conclusion in chapter 15. So up to verse 17 in chapter 1, that's the introduction. Then the body of the letter up until chapter 15, verse 14, then the conclusion. So these last two verses in the introduction are now making the transition into the body, what he's actually going to be addressing in the letter. And it's all about the gospel. So in verse 15, he said, so I'm eager to preach the gospel to you who are also in Rome. Then he says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. There's four segments to these two verses. The first part of verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. This is the reason he's eager to preach, they said in verse 15. Then the second part of verse 16, that is because. So he's not ashamed of the cause because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew, then the Greek. Then verse 17, he says why that is. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed faith to faith. Then he quotes from Habakkuk to show the, the scriptural connection between righteousness and faith. So verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why would he be ashamed of the gospel is a good question. Paul never acts like he's ashamed of the gospel. Well, if you remember back in 1 Corinthians 1.18, he talked about the foolishness of the cross. And he was making the distinction there between human wisdom and spiritual wisdom because the Corinthians were so full of human wisdom and thought themselves so incredibly wise. But Paul was making the point that a lot of times the things of God appear foolish to people because they're approaching things from human wisdom, not from godly wisdom. And from a human perspective, the cross seems foolish. And in the capital of the Roman Empire, it's probably the way it would seem to the average person. 
the foolishness of the cross. And so that's probably why Paul's making this point of, well, it may seem foolish, but I am not ashamed of the gospel regardless of how foolish people think it is. That explains why that is. Because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. Well, what is the gospel? The, the word gospel literally comes from good news. In fact, that's old English, good spell, gospel, good story, good news. The Greek word is euangelion. I explained last time, you means good, angelion means message. It's the good news. But what is the good news? And everybody explains it maybe a little bit differently based on their own preferences, but yes, essentially it's the explanation of how to be reconciled with God. That's the gospel. And that's what this letter is about, the gospel, explaining the gospel and the nuances of the gospel and the implications of the gospel. Because the gospel is the power of God for salvation, because it, it explains how to be saved, how to be reconciled with God. And everyone needs salvation because everyone is born a sinner. And so who gets saved? Those who believe. Now this phrase, first to the Jew and also to the Greek, there's some disagreement exactly what this means. And you make some good arguments. Uh, some say it's more of a chronological thing that Jesus was a Jew and the gospel was first proclaimed to the Jews from then to the Greek-speaking world. Others say, no, it's more of an Old Testament perspective that the gospel is what the Old Testament points to and is the culmination of the promises given to the people of Israel in the Old Testament. And that's the first the Jew, but now it is available to all. Some say well, there's more of a preeminence that you know, the Jews are still special in the, the heart of God and the Gentile world has been added into that and everyone has this opportunity to believe. There's still something special about the Jewish people. And you can make an argument on either of those. I, I think it just basically goes with the promises of the Old Testament, but is openly available to all. Number 17, why is this a big deal about the gospel? For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Now, throughout this letter, righteousness is a big thing. And righteousness is always linked to faith in this letter. Verse 17, he says, you know, the righteousness of God. Now, what does that mean? Is the righteousness of God something God has? Or is the righteousness of God something that people receive? I think the answer is yes. I think Paul means both of those things. And he'll use it in different nuances through the letter. And he uses the word righteousness a lot and the related words. The... Uh, Root in the Greek language is, is dik, D-I-K. And then there's three words that are cognates of that. There's dikaio, which means justify, a verb. Dikaiosane, which means righteousness, a noun. And dikaios, which means righteous, an adjective. So all those are connected. Righteousness is a noun. It's a thing. It's a righteousness. Here, the righteousness of God, something that God has, but something that God gives. It's a noun. But the word justify is the verb form of righteousness. 
And then righteous is the adjective, having the quality of righteousness. So these three words are very closely related. Uh, righteousness and righteous, yeah, we see that, that it's in the language, but justify, and that'd be a bit important. We'll see justify several times in this letter. Justify is the verb form of righteousness, and that will be important. We don't see justify here yet, but we will pretty soon. For the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. And a good way to kind of translate that sentence is, for in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed a righteousness that is by faith. But he uses faith to faith. That's kind of an odd way to talk. And again, this one of those phrases, there's a lot of debate about. So I'm saying it's from people of faith to people of faith, from the faith of God to our faith. Others say, well, if you look back in 2 Corinthians, remember when we were in 2 Corinthians 2.16, we had that strange language death leading to death, and life leading to life. And I say, if you kind of put that together, then it probably means like faith and nothing but faith, in which case the righteousness of God is being revealed from faith and nothing but faith. It's hard to say, but this really highlights this linkage that Paul has throughout the letter between righteousness and faith. Then he has this quote from Habakkuk, Habakkuk 2.4. He says, just as is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now, what's that actually mean? Well, we'll find out. It'll be spelled out through the letter. He'll explain what that actually means. But the righteous live by faith. Does that mean that you need faith to be righteous? Or people that are righteous live in this way that displays their faith? And I think we'll see. Well, the answer is yes. Both those things. All those things. Because there is this linkage between righteousness and faith. And we'll see throughout the letter that the only way we receive any righteousness, the only righteousness we can exhibit is that which is given to us from God. And that drives how we live. And we can't live in a righteous way except if we've come to God in faith and experience transformation. And all those things will, will play out as Paul explains the gospel throughout his letter. These two verses, most everybody agrees, explain the theme of the letter. But uh, throughout history and different times, different scholars, different commentators all pick maybe a different piece of this to emphasize, is it the righteous live by faith? That's the theme. Or righteousness is linked to faith. That's the theme. Or the power of God for salvation. That's the theme. I agree with, with Douglas Moo, who reads some of his stuff. He says, basically, it's all those things which are explanations of the gospel. And so the theme of the letter is the gospel. And what is the gospel? The gospel is the explanation of how to be reconciled with God. And it's only because of faith that we can be connected with God, forgiven of sin, and declared righteous, justified in the sight of God and experience. God's righteousness, all those things. It's a big deal. The gospel is a simple word, but there's a whole lot that goes into it. And it all is based on faith. So the letter to the Roman church is basically a big exposition of the concept of the gospel. Coming to faith in Jesus Christ and experience forgiveness of sin and adoption by God. So this will be exciting to go through as we see how Paul spells this out to the church in Rome.
Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the book of Romans.